0: listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings everyone, Pastor Nathan here. It is always an honor to bring the Word of the Lord to you, and I want to start a new Bible study series with this video. We are going to entitle it, Living Prophetically, Living Prophetically. There has been, since February, March of this year, a tremendous upsurge in interest in the prophetic. Now, this isn't to be unexpected. Whenever there are uncertain times, whenever fear is uh, reality more than the norm, I think it's it's normal for, for, for people to turn toward uh, the prophetic word to try to make sense of the confusion that is in their life. Now, it's not just us in this generation who do this. Uh, Truthfully, as far back as you want to go, where people had prophetic word, you will find uh, a welling of interest in it when times turn difficult. Uh, 2020 seems like the perfect year for people to start thinking prophetically. Uh, We have had plague. (laughs) We have had... Uh, earthquakes in diverse places, in in strange places. We had an earthquake here in Charlotte uh, just a couple, what, two Sundays ago? Um, we have had just astonishing, strange things happen this year. And the only thing we haven't had is a food shortage. I think we've all gained weight. Uh, but it's been a strange year. And there is added to that all of the stress of a political year where... Each political party is trying to scare you into voting for them. They both are. Now, why would they do that? Because your strongest, the strongest emotion in the human experience to motivate you is fear. A uh, Fear will motivate you when nothing else we are, will. Um, you're much more motivated by fear than you are, say, uh Policy, <laughs> or some new organization, or new some new—it's fear that gets people off the couch. So both parties are trying to scare you. Uh, they're just going about it in different ways. Um, what to do? Well, as the church, it is very important for us not to be caught up in the fear cycle of our generation. It's very important for us not to be trapped in the the repetitive of uh, anger, uh, fear, greed, anger, fear, greed, that is a cycle. And if people who claim to be God's people are caught in that, uh, then we lose our testimony. We are manifesting a life of faith to a world that's trapped in the cycle of fear, greed, anger, fear, greed, anger. Uh, we are showing by our life that we are not afraid of the things they're afraid of. Lord, help us to be that witness, that light. Um, we, are, we don't want you to kill us, but we're not afraid like people who think death is the end. Uh, we mourn when we lose loved ones, but we're not mourning in exactly the same way as people who think they will never see them again. This is your invitation uh, to a life of a testimony, a life of witness. Um, and it is important that the church handles prophecy in the right way. We can handle it as an unbeliever would handle it. And I'll talk about that probably more next week. Um, but I want to get this kind of introduction, uh, This I want to get us all on the same page uh, tonight of Pursuing this this understanding of living prophetically, what does that mean for for the believer? I'm going to do something a little different tonight. I'm going to invite you to get your Bible and have it with you. Just set it on your lap um, and I will give you scriptures to turn to and then I will give you time to turn to them. I'll try to, it may take me a few tries to get smooth with it but I want you to understand what we're doing. We're not just having a a lecture series. Uh, We're trying to have a Bible study. This Bible uh, is the beginning and the end of spiritual understanding direction in our life. Um, If we're only left with mystical pursuit of the spiritual, we're going to do what every people have done, every tribe, every kindred. What have they done? They've invented a a story of the supernatural because they haven't scripture like this. This is just as much the sign of God in our life as if you had some uh, mystical event, you saw an angel. This is foundational. And so uh, I want us to be more intentional uh, in the manner in which we, we study. And I'm going to try to adapt this format to, to be helpful, if you have ideas on how we could adapt this format to be more helpful relative to Bible study, I'm 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 all ears. You can you can tell me uh, any ideas you have for that. So let's get started. Uh, why do you think there has been such an upsurge in interest uh, in the prophetic since February March? Well, I think it's pretty obvious. Um, there is heightened fear and anxiety. Uh, tremendous a tremendous higher percentage of people are admitting that they are living in fear and anxiety. And so it's natural for the church to be influenced by this. Um, in the last, what, uh, several months since this COVID-19 situation happened, I have been directed to more prophecy, prophetic words that have been given um, than any time I can remember in my in my personal ministry experience. Um now, it's interesting. Now, these prophetic words, I'm not referring to study of biblical prophecy. I'm referring to a prophecy given by a an individual, um, uh, you know, kind of a, a TV evangelist, uh, a local uh, believer, a uh, pastor, an evangelist. Uh, this has just, there's been this tremendous up swell of it since covid-19. Now, th- look this isn't bad or wrong. It is natural for us to respond to troubling circumstances by seeking after the spiritual. And if you seek after the spiritual, you will with varying degrees of success, <laughs> at least that's my experience, you will you will feel like you kind of have some direction, you have a word so to speak, and then having been given that, it's natural to, for you to try to share that uh, to the people you have influence influence with. Now, if the only if the main value of prophecy, and we're talking about that in this series, if the main value of prophecy was to know that which was coming before it arrived, then the upsurge of prophecy should have been in you know october november december and the prophecy should have been troubling times are coming you know that that would have been if that was the purpose the primary purpose of prophecy uh to tell us that which had not yet happened before it happens so we understand what is going to happen um i'm i'm unaware of any prophecy that really was helpful for that um, I know there's some people who are always prophesying something vaguely, um, and that is not look I, look I'm not unsympathetic. Uh, you want to take care when you speak for the Lord uh, i would I would speak carefully myself. Um, but that said, there has to be more to it than simply that which hasn't happened and we are through prophecy seeing before it happens now that is the most common description but if that is uh (laughs) that's the only way to get it right we have a terrible track record and we get it wrong more than we get it right um talking about the church in general uh there must be deeper realities to prophecy than simply knowing what's going to happen before it happens. So let's, as we often do, let's let's take some time, let's study this. I first of all want to give you four observations that are the result of my, basically I spent my whole life in Bible study. Now that doesn't make me, I don't think that I'm an expert in any particular way, Um, but I do have years of consistent study. Um, I, since the age of 21, there's only been one or two weeks a year Since the age of 21, where I went a week without preparing a a a message, Um, starting you know, starting what 11 years ago, I started preparing two to three messages a week, Um, and so I'm living it. I'm I'm living in the Bible, not not because I'm particularly like more spiritual than anybody else, even though I am. Between me and you. I just had to live this life of being in the Word. And so, four things that I have learned. I didn't get these from a book. Um, They're just my observations. And so, uh, let's let's start with them. Number one, uh, sorry if this disappoints anybody. Biblically, prophecy is not usually understood in the generation in which it is given. I know that's a huge disappointment to people who think the purpose of prophecy is to understand the future before it becomes the present. Um, (laughs) Biblically, prophecy given is not usually understood by the generation to whom it is given. There are exceptions. Probably uh, the first one that would come to mind is The story of Joseph and how Pharaoh has a dream, he doesn't understand the dream, he's connected to Joseph, Joseph has divine connection and therefore through the spiritual connection Joseph has, his covenant with God, he is able to give prophecy to the Pharaoh who then, to his credit, does a very wise thing. He gives control of the preparation, stay with me, to the person who had understanding. He doesn't do it himself, he has a dream. Joseph doesn't have the dream. Pharaoh has the dream. However, Joseph has understanding. How does he have it? His connection, his covenant with Yahweh. And so, Pharaoh wisely gives preparation, the responsibility of preparation, to the individual who had understanding. I, I love this because um, I, one of the things that I think... Uh, the, is most important about understanding prophecy, is this. Prophecy, even when it doesn't explain, it still allows the church to prepare. So, in other words, not not all prophecy is understood, but it has a value, a spiritual value, of helping the church prepare. I'll talk more about that in just a moment. Let's let's not get sidetracked. Number one, prophecy is not usually understood in the generation to which it is given. Uh, Number two, Uh, prophecy is more often used as witness to the future than understanding to the present. Usually, it serves as a witness to the future more than it does understanding to the present. Think of the many, many, literally scores of prophecies concerning Jesus Christ. I I, I think for the most part, none of them were understood when they were given, but all of them were witnesses to the future. I think the same thing is true in Daniel. Daniel. Look at Daniel, that one of the largest uh, collections of the prophetic in the word of the Lord. Um, I don't know that Daniel understood the image, the feed of brass and iron. You get the idea. Um, and yet, to the future, it was witness that God's in control. Do you see? So, uh, that was number two. Prophecy is more often used as witness to the future than as understanding to the present. Um, number three, um, people who interpret prophecy with a date attached up till now have been 100% wrong. They, all of them, (laughs) have been wrong. There's no way to make this pretty. It's just, it is what it is. I'm not unsympathetic to them. They're trying to do a hard thing and we're warned in the scripture that we should not do it. And that is to try to put a date on something. But we are batting zero on putting a date on prophecy. Let's, let's hold that humbly, shall we? And then, and then the fourth thing, uh, I, I want to really emphasize this one because it seems like the first three that I've given you have been negative. Like, to review, prophecy is not usually understood in the generation it's given to. Number two, <laughs> prophecy is usually a testimony to the future, uh, not an explanation to the present. Number three, every interpreter in history who put a date on God's work has been wrong, every single one of them. All of those sound negative. Now, let me give you number four. In spite of our difficulties, prophecy is one of the most powerful and abundant gifts that has been given by God to his people. Now, don't just remember the first three. Remember four, too. In spite of the challenges, in spite of the fact that prophecy is almost never understood in the generation it's given to, in spite of the fact that it's usually a witness to the future, not a, you know, explanation to the present. Uh, and in spite of the fact that people who try to put a date on it, I have been 100% wrong. Even so, prophecy is one of the most powerful uh, and abundant gifts that are given to to the church. So, all right, now i have given you those four things. That's the result of my lifetime of, you know, wrestling with the scripture and trying to understand it and uh, tr- you know, being immersed in church culture and listening to thousands of men explain and explain and explain and teach, and uh, you get the idea. That's that's my four. All right, that's not scripture. That's that's unless it's the book of Nathaniel. <laughs> so uh, now let's talk. Let's let's back up from all of that, and let's talk about what we know biblically. What we know, not what we interpret, not what we think what we actually know, because we have clear example. We don't have uh, you know, a dramatic image or mystical uh, narrative or mysterious prophetic language. We have clear-cut stuff we can know. Uh, number one, yes, prophecy is given to help us understand and prepare for the future. We know this, even though it's hard. And even though it's difficult, and even though we struggle with it, and you get, you know, how many opinions are in a room with 10 prophecy teachers in it? The correct answer is 11 to 14. <laughs> there are, you, 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 I mean, uh, it, it's hard. Even so, even though it's hard. Uh, it is given to us to help us understand the future. With this asterisk, <laughs> it normally serves better to prepare us for the future than it does to explain the future. And most of our errors are tied up somehow when we try to use prophecy to explain the future rather than prepare for For the future, Um, there are tremendous prophecies in the word of the Lord, uh, many famous prophecies like those in Daniel, like those in um, Revelation. And they usually, if you study them, they usually have a, they speak to the change of world powers and to the change of geopolitical leaders. They refer to one kingdom rising, another kingdom falling. They refer to end of days and an Antichrist arising. They are really, to be fair, almost geopolitical. They, they seem to be about the kingdoms of this world for, uh, for the most part. They tend to use figurative language because the person receiving the vision does not understand it. Remember, it's very rare for someone to understand in their generation a prophecy that is given to them. That prophecy will usually be a witness to the future. Uh, even so, Even so, that same prophecy, whether or not it's understood, can help them. It can be a powerful aid to preparing them for the mysteries yet yet to come. And so uh, I want you to turn in the Bible to Revelations chapter number 13. We're going to read one verse of Scripture there. Um, I want to remind you that prophecy, particularly the, the great books of prophecy like Daniel, like Revelations, are filled with this figurative, dramatic language. Uh, let's read together in uh, Revelation 13 and verse number 11. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb. What are they talking about? Well, a lamb, um, when like a, a male lamb, or it's going to be a ram when it's older, doesn't have horns, it has nubs. Okay, it's like... It's like just the, the the hint of horns to be. So this second beast coming out of the earth, it had two horns like a lamb, just nubs of horns, and it spoke like a dragon. Now, this is dramatic language, dramatic images. Um, here's the thing you need to be reminded of. That is not going to literally happen. I mean, let me say, I don't think that's going to literally happen. That would be an amazing special effects movie um, that would sell a lot of seats uh, to moviegoers. Um, That's not what they're getting at with the dramatic. They are preparing you in your spirit for something that will come. You do not necessarily know the details of it. They're referring to the rise and fall of leaders, the rise and fall of powers, the change of governments, and it is dramatic language. This is an example, and if you want to write this in the margin of your Bible, I don't know about you, but I write up my Bibles. I got this habit from my my mom and dad. They wrote up their Bibles. Uh, My dad, in fact, wrote up his Bibles, and then having a stack of them gave one to each of us kids. So we have one of his Bible with his notes in it, and that it's a great habit. Um, and so if you want to write beside this, uh, this is an example of prophecy as future telling. <laughs> future telling. This is an example right here. Um, the second way that prophecy is shown to us in the scripture is um, to warn of divine judgment that is coming unless you change. So uh, the first thing I mentioned was prophecy as insight to the future, explanation of what will come, or preparation for what will come. Uh, The second thing is uh, to warn of potential judgment if you do not change. Uh, Turn with me, Jeremiah chapter number 18 in your Bibles, uh, we're going to read it at at, at around verses five through ten and i 'm going to pull out some passages of that but I want you to know where i 'm at if you want to uh if you want a bright example of prophecy as divine warning that 's what you're seeing here in uh Jeremiah eighteen and uh, the, these verses the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah and again whatever translation you're reading this is is fine Word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah and um he the Lord says, "Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you are in my hand, my hand, O house of Israel. Um, the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up, to pull down, and to destroy it, and if that nation, He's explaining things, if that nation then turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. And the instant I speak concerning a nation or kingdom to build and to plant it, if it does evil." In my sight and does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good with which I said I would benefit it. This is prophecy as as divine warning, as a uh, call to repentance. Um, this is prophecy used in the scripture. This is the second way we're referring to um, Another example of this is the story of Jonah. If you want to, if you want to look in, say, Jonah chapter number three, turn into your Bibles to Jonah chapter number three. You can also note that this is an example of prophecy as divine warning. The people of Nineveh believed God. I'm reading verse number five. They believed God. They proclaimed a fast. They dressed in sackcloth. This is a kind of public mourning, um, uh, a civil, a citywide humbling of themselves. Um, from the greatest of them to the least. God saw their actions. They had turned from their evil ways. And the Bible says God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with. Now, prophecy had said the disaster would come and the Lord relented. This is prophecy as divine warning. Um, if you want to, if you want to make a note of that, of that there. So I've given you two. I'm going to give you two more, but here right in the middle, I want to pause and I want to remind you something that you've heard me say a lot. Um, if you've listened to me teach or preach much, you've heard me say this a lot. When we use the word prophecy, we most often mean someone who tells the future, a word about the future. That is not how the Bible use proph- uses the word prophecy. Um, the Bible uses the word prophecy much broader than that. Biblically, biblically, all Prophecy is, is a message from God communicated by a prophet and shared to an intended audience. That's all it is. It's not necessarily what will come. I gave you an example of of Joseph. Uh, It will tell you what is to come. It's a prediction about the future. We read from Revelations. Uh, Yes, it is that. That's how we use it. But it's so much more than that. The second way we use it is this divine warning. This divine warning to um, people to turn from their ways, uh, and we saw that in Jeremiah and also in, in Jonah. The third way. Now, remember, biblically, prophecy is much broader. It's whenever a word is given by God to a prophet and then shared to uh, the people. That's that's any time it can be a word of encouragement. It, it, that biblically can have that den- uh, can be denoted as prophecy. Uh, what we call Bible teaching, if it's to a people in God's time through God's man, it can be called prophecy. What we call preaching can be called prophecy. What we call edification biblically can be called prophecy. Just find the context. So, uh, the first one was to tell the future. You can see that in the scripture. The second one is to expose, or the, excuse me, the second one is to um, warn of divine judgment. Uh, the third one is to expose the flaws of humanity to reveal our actions. Now, this is much rarer, um, not near as common um, in the scripture, and the. Probably the most perfect example of it is in uh, the story of Hosea. Now, it's not the only one. Anytime an image or an action is used, this is God using action as prophecy. Remember the, um, remember the prophet, uh, strike the ground, and how many times you struck the ground? That's how many victories you had. That is action as prophecy, and it's teaching him something about himself, the reason why he's missing and failing and not pleasing God is because he has this listless. List. He's not committed. He's not, you know, as we believers say, he's not soul out. You know, <laughs> and so um, another one. So you have that one. Another one. a Shoot the arrow. The prophet says, shoot the arrow. This is prophecy as action, and it's revealing something about their. It's a it's action as prophecy. Uh, so the book of Hosea gives the image of a prophet who actually marries a prostitute. And she is, she's not just reformed prostitute. She actually is struggling with the lusts of that lifestyle, the party lifestyle, that she would finance through harlotry. Um, and so, you, it's very, very, it's powerful, but it's troubling because it shows spiritual idolatry how God sees it. And when we're just, we are drawn away and drawn away. And yes, we want God, but we also want the world. And we're drawn this way. And It's spiritual idolatry. Now, that's the third way that prophecy is shown to us in the scripture. And now I want to, because we're getting, getting close to my self-imposed time limit, I want to give you the fourth way that it is shown, prophecy is used in the scripture. Turn to Revelations chapter number 21, and we'll read there in just a moment. Um, this is this fourth way is the safest way and probably the most consistent uh, that manner in which prophecy is shown scripturally, and that is to give hope to the recipient of the prophecy. Now, this is important. Now, we'll talk more a little bit ab- about this next week how we get prophecy wrong, um, but uh, for for the purposes of this Bible study, this fourth way is um, is the safest way for us to view prophecy and it's probably i would say in some way if not the most common one of the most common um, and that is um, to give us hope in spite of chaos to give us reassurance in spite of fear to remind us that in spite of the dramatic the terrifying god's in control so let's read revelations 21 verse number three and four look or depending on your Bible, it might say behold. <laughs> Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. It sounds like New Testament, doesn't it? God's dwelling place is with you in your life, in your heart. God's dwelling place is among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. This is prophecy as hope. So much we don't know. So much we cannot see. Mystery and chaos and dramatic things. (laughs) You know, fire from heaven and plague upon the earth and the beasts arise with the voice of the dragon. All of that, yes. But there's hope. Okay, so prophecy can never get to a point where it inspires more fear than hope. Even if God is using it to uh, tell you of judgment that will come if you do not change, the point of it is redemption and it should give you hope. Do you see? Prophecy that only terrifies people is not of God. It should give hope. It should give more hope than anything else. It should give more hope than fear. It should give more hope than, uh, how shall we say, uh, dramatic uh, insight or image or it should give hope. Yes, troubling times will come. God's in control. Yes, the Antichrist will rise. This is not a surprise. God's in control. Yes, the heathen will rage. <laughs> Doesn't matter. God is in control so biblically there are these four examples what we're most familiar with and that is prophecy as future-telling secondly prophecy as warning of judgment to come thirdly uh, prophecy to expose human error it's like prophecy is action Uh, That's that's fairly rare, biblically speaking, but it is in there and you should know it. But finally, prophecy as a wellspring and hope and source of hope, a well of hope in your life. We'll continue this next, next week. Lord Jesus, I pray you would be with your people. I pray you would comfort them. You would walk with them. I pray your anointing upon every leader of our church, every one of our pastoral staff, all of our volunteer teams. I pray your power, your blessing, your strength upon them. Bring us through this time with victory and hope. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We love you. Have a great week. God bless. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them.